Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York Football Giants. I am John Schmelk, joined by Paul Dettino. We're going to have uh, Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus joining us shortly right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. He's finishing up with another media hit. Uh, but, Paul, we could talk about today. We heard from both the tight ends and the defensive backs today. Yeah. Uh, we got pulled away from some of them because we had to do a couple of records on Giant Huddle Podcast. You'll see those with Tom Pelissero and Cynthia Freeland. Both were great, by the way coming up over the next few days. But takeaways for you, Paul, from uh, some of the guys you talked about. Do you want to do tight ends first or DBs? What do you want to well, do? Well, I, I, safeties. Can we start with the safeties? Already? Because yeah. uh, Cam Kitchens, uh, very solid frame, very fun guy, coming out of Miami. Yep. Safety who uh, admired Brian Dawkins for his intimidating play at the spot uh, earlier in, in, in his young life. Um, very interesting. He had one of the funnier reactions that, I, that I've heard in a while. Somebody said to him, what if you get drafted? I guess the, the guy was from Buffalo because he said, what if you get drafted by the Bills? You know, they've had some really good safeties in the past and maybe they'd be looking to move on. And he goes, that'd be interesting because I haven't ever seen snow before. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts laughing and he goes, no, no. He goes, I'm not kidding. And, and so the guy said, well, how do you feel about that? And he goes, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of exciting to play in snow. Oh, he goes, the, the game's the game. He goes, you just go out there and you play. He might be in for a rude awakening if he goes to Buffalo because they can get 14 inches. <laughs> I thought other safeties I thought were interesting. Uh, Kalen Bullock from USC. Yep. Uh, skinnier guy, smaller safeties, had some tackling issues on tape. He talked about it. He goes, look, I've been smaller playing this, playing this position my whole life. I'm used to it. I've been getting this criticism forever. It doesn't bother me. Um, he long says, frame, though. A hmm? little bit of a longer frame, but a little slender. Correct. He's longer. Uh, really good playing the ball on, on tape. He said basically film study is, is what makes him play fast. He was wearing two chains around his neck, his grandmother and his father, both who had passed away. And he goes, yeah. those are my angels looking over me. I thought was, yeah. thought was, uh, was was good. Cole Bishop. Oh, before well, you go, before you go yeah, off the bullock, he, he said one thing that I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. He said, emotion is a big part of my game. And not everybody will say that. They'll, you know, they're all coached. Everybody knows these guys are coached up and stuff. But most people think about the X's and the O's 
or the physical talents, John. Mm-hmm. He Here he was saying emotion is a big part of my game. He was stressing an intangible, and I thought that was that was kind of interesting for me because guys don't always try to sell that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Uh, Cole Bishop, who I really liked in Mobile, I thought he had a really mm-hmm. good week at the Senior Bowl. Again, smaller frame guy. That's what you I know, wrote he's down. He's a guy I'm not sure you're going to have in the box lot. I think he's more of a of a covered safety, which is what he did really well in Mobile. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, kind of a low key type of talker, not very yes. loud, but seemed like a polite young man. Small frame, soft spoken. Yes, we, we had the same thought on that. Mm-hmm. He did say he likes to play man coverage on tight ends. And he did a really good job with that mm-hmm. at, at the Senior Bowl, too. So something to keep in mind in terms of the safety group. Trying to see if there's any anybody from safety that interests me. I'll jump to the tight ends now if you're good with that. Well, can we go uh, Javon Bullard? Yes, I, was, I wasn't over there for him or, or for Newbin. So I'd like to hear Ultra both your takes Ultra confident, I wrote down. Okay. Uh, Bullard uh, talks about his versatility. Uh, very happy to play the nickel. Uh, says, I want to be on the field for all downs. Uh, said, I love this one. Mistakes don't define me because I'm always learning. Ooh, that like was that. a pretty good. That was a pretty good line. You don't hear that one very often. Now Bullard's one of these guys that's almost more of a slot corner than he is a safety. Yes. So I think he's interesting. Which is why he said he's very mm-hmm. happy playing nickel. Yeah. Uh, and 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 playing down there. How about Newbin, who I think a lot of people think will be the top safety taken? Yeah, Newbin out of Minnesota. All right. Um, very very sharp in his answers. Extremely quick and witty, and very very focused. Very assertive. Well, he's a fifth year guy. He's a little bit older. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of you could see the maturity. Yeah. There was no question in handling all the questions. Said he might just do meetings. Might not do any of the physical work. It because injury or just by choice. Uh, it says here he had meniscus surgery. Mm-hmm. All right, and he's in the middle of rehabbing, and he was going to see how he feels when they come time to call the field drills. May not do them. You wonder if if that unknown could could uh, influence his draft slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Antonio Winfield uh, set the standard for Minnesota uh, prospects. Uh, you know, uh, thought big about him. Said um, this this one I like. I use my intelligence to get inside the offensive coordinator's mind. I like that. How about that, that one? That is terrific. She says um, you can't take a play off if you're not physical. You're not playing. Uh, you know, that, that's some cool things to say. And now we're joined by a friend of the program, Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. Trevor, we're used to sharing with the Jets. We share a stadium. Oh, you no. Understand? <laughs> You're coming off from the Jets. It's all good. We're used to sharing with the Jets. Okay. All, good, all right. All right. That's fine. I was hoping you guys wouldn't see that. You didn't give <laughs> them all the good stuff, did you? No, no, no. I saved some. No, okay. I, I saved okay. some for you guys. We still got plenty left in the tank. All right. So give me, uh, before we get into some nitty-gritty here, just give me your overall takeaways, what you've seen from the combine so far this week. Oh, man. I, I, I love this event. I mean, you know this. You're a big draft guy. Like, this, this part of the event is really cool because we watch a ton of tape on these players, and this is where it kind of becomes personal, right? The helmets are off. The, the face masks are off. You actually get to see them. You get to look them in the eye, you get to ask them questions about their game or yeah. who they are and things like that. And obviously that's what teams love as well. That you ask the coaches and the GMs in the in the in the days that um that uh, are leading up to some of these players, like, oh, what are you looking to see? And every single one of them says the same thing. We're looking to find out who these players are. And mm-hmm. so getting a little view into that is really cool. Like a, a little example, Darius Robinson's uh podium the other day, the Missouri defensive end. I mean, it just listening to him talk about versatility and how much he just wants to play football, you feel that genuineness from him. And I think that you could just feel that those kinds of things immediately to where you go, man, 
I may have a little bit lower of a tape grade on you, but I can understand teams drafting you a little bit higher just to want that kind of a caliber player or person on their football team. And so just things like that, it, it is really fun to kind of have those nuggets of players. I want to ask you about uh, this mock draft that you had out recently, and I don't know if you've had an updated one, but you had Williams, May, Daniels, and as we continue to go down the list here, uh, Harrison, then uh Odunze, mm-hmm. and then with the Giants, you went with Joe Alt, mm-hmm. which most people have been going to either Neighbors or Odunze. You had them passing on Neighbors right. and going for Alt. Yes. First of all, are you still there? And if not, what made you change your mind? Well, I think that's the debate, right? I mean, like that's still the debate that we're having is is which situation might be better. I like Joe Alt a lot. He's the top offensive tackle, I think, in this class. He is so steady. Now, he's been a consistent left tackle at Notre Dame over the last three years. So you know, with Andrew Thomas playing as well as he does for New York, it would probably require him moving over to the right side side, but I do think he's talented enough to do it. And for me, I look at what uh, what Evan Neal has been for them at the tackle spot, specifically this past year, and it's like, okay, I'm not giving up on the dude. I still think he's a talented offensive mm-hmm. lineman, but if you have the chance, you know, as long as, as everything works out, if you could draft a guy like Joe Walt, and then if you could kick a guy like Evan Neal inside, to me, that forms an incredible trio that you have of the five main offensive linemen that you have on your team. And throwing John Michael Schmitz. Right, of course, right. Of course, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm, I'm not even thinking about him, and obviously they drafted him last year, and he was fantastic. So it's like, that is, an, that is a mean, talented offensive line there, and, and I think has the potential immediately to be one of the best in the NFL. And to me, any time that you have the opportunity to set up a phrase like best offensive line in the NFL, I have a really hard time <laughs> passing that up. So that's kind of how I got to that point with all going to six. How big of a part of that equation for you, Trevor, is the fact that you feel good about getting an awesome wide receiver with one of your two second-round picks? Exactly, and, and the wide receiver room is is deep this year. The wide receiver group is very deep, and I think that you have the opportunity to pick guys of all different shapes and sizes. Now, obviously, like Malik Neighbors, I think, is rare. I think that he's a wide receiver one type. And if he if he would have been the selection at number six, which I've also done in previous mock drafts, like, that's not a bad selection. But if you can say, I, like, okay, I'm, I'm pairing Joe Alt in the first round with an A.D. Mitchell in the second round or Xavier Ooh. Worthy. Don't or, tease me, you dude. Know, like, like, <laughs> it, it may, like, Don't tease me on A.D. Mitchell, Trevor. You know, You're going like, to get me excited. A Roman Wilson. You know, like somebody yeah. like that who you might be able to get at the top of the second round or even some other players, like Jermaine Burton, you know, like again, like Xavier Worthy, Xavier Leggett, one of those guys. Troy Franklin, one of those guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. I think that that to me says you did a really good job of scouting this class and scouting the rest of the league because the first job of an NFL draft is to pick good football players. But there is a mini game within the draft, if you will, of scouting what other teams are going to do, Mm -hmm. knowing, hey, we got a first round pick and we want to nail it, but there's other picks that we're going to make. So we can set ourselves up to have a really nice haul when it's all said and done. And to me, as much as I I think Malik Neighbors or, or Romo Dunze or Marvin Harrison Jr. would be great in New York. I do tend to love the combination more of getting OT1 in this draft at number six and then being able to take one of those names that we mentioned at wide receiver in the second round. Okay, so obviously you passed on a quarterback, so let's put that part of the discussion to the side. They're not taking a quarterback at six. Mm -hmm. Let's go with that. Okay. Okay. We can circle back there later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we can talk about that. Okay. Now, where, how far do they have to go or how far can they go 
if they want to take a quarterback later, second or third round, get a guy like Bo Nix, maybe even go deeper and get a Rattler and say, hey, you know what? This guy's good enough to be a backup who could project to something more I'm down the road. I'm warning you, he's captain of the Bo Nix fan club now. Yeah. Be careful with him. Well, I'm a huge Bo Nix. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Well, he's the captain. It's good to meet a club member. Here's the problem. He's not getting there to the Giants <laughs> in the second round. No, what? no, no. He's not. He's, he's not. not. That's why. Are I, you sure about that? I don't think he – I think we get five first-round quarterbacks. I think okay. we get five. So you think Knicks is definitely ahead of Penix on most NFL teams? I think so. He has yes. to be. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I do believe. I think that we're getting five quarterbacks in this first round. Now, it's not going to be like, you know, the Mac Jones, Trey Lance, right. year, Trevor Lawrence year. Um, but I do think we're probably going to get three of the top five picks in this draft are going to be a quarterback, right. I think. Right. I think McCarthy's going somewhere in the top 15. He'll go to one of those teams in the top okay. 15 that also needs a quarterback. You've got Denver. You've got Minnesota. You've got Las Vegas. Um, you've got Atlanta. And right. these teams are desperate. They really Correct. need to get 100%. Them. So, like, I think he's going to go in the top 15. And then I think Knicks is the wild card after that. I think Knicks is going to go somewhere at the back end of the first round. I think we could see a scenario where one of those teams that didn't get a quarterback yet trades back up from their second-round pick to get back in the first round, get that extra fifth-year option. I do think Knicks ends up going in the first round but you know if if I take those five off the board I think that Penix can be available at the beginning of the second round I do I don't I don't think he's going to fall too far because here's the thing like everything I've heard about Penix like he's a great dude like I think he's going to interview very Mm -hmm. very well he's got a howitzer of an arm and okay like the ball placement isn't as good as some as 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 it is for some of these other guys not as good of an athlete moving around yeah but actually so I think he's actually going to surprise some people with how well he actually tested any like the 40 that he runs but He's not. That's not his game. You know, you're gonna see it, and people will go like, "Oh, see, fast guy." But it's like, okay, well, but he's a pocket passer. Like, right. he's a, that's not really a big part of his right. game. So, correct. I think he'll be a second round pick. I like Spencer Rattler. I really do. I yeah. think I think Rattler is gonna be a third round pick when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very talented. Very he is. Talented. He is. And I think I, I've said this on a couple of different shows, but first impressions are really tough to break. And Spencer Rattler had some bad first impressions, right? He had the QB1 documentary of what he was like in high school, and he didn't really come off very well. Uh, you've got him at Oklahoma. He kind of was like this reckless gunslinger, this hothead for a Lincoln-Riley mm-hmm. offense that mm-hmm. people think is fake. It's not, you know, it's not a real offense. It's not replicable to the NFL level. And so that's what people think when they hear the name Spencer Rattler. But the truth is that over the last two years, his game at South Carolina is much more matured. He's a much better player in the pocket. Absolutely. He's much better handling pressure. Does he make all the right decisions? No. But still, he's got a good arm. He's not afraid to throw middle of the field. Um, he has really good pocket presence despite being pressured on almost 40% of his dropbacks this past season, which mm-hmm. is insane. And so I think that he could be a third-round option. And I also think that Michael Pratt from Tulane is another wild card that I like. Really loved his tape towards the back end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023. Ends up hurting his knee uh, in that first game in 2023. Just did not come back the same player. The accuracy was mm-hmm. off. The confidence his was off. His arm strength is a little less, too. It is. I'd like th- it to be. There's no doubt about it. And that's why he's going to be a third-round pick. But on the flip side, sometimes guys don't really have the arm strength, and they also don't really have the touch. I think at least... He has less of an arm, but he's better at those touch passes, which I'm kind of a sucker for because that's like a touch is sort of a you have it or you don't kind of a thing, right? Mm -hmm. You You can run repetition of passes of throwing guys the fastball and timing it with routes and things like that, but it's different when you're breaking out of the pocket or when you see something late or you see a defender's, you know, coming down a little bit sooner than he should and you go, okay, if I pop some air under this, it'll go straight to him a little bit in a different path and 
I think Pratt does that better than most quarterbacks in this class. I really do think that. I funny you bring up touch. I want to go to J.J. McCarthy with that. Because I think the one thing, I've threw eight games on him. I haven't watched the whole year yet. I think his intermediate, middle of the field accuracy on crossers and in-cuts might be the best in the class. Yeah. That's how good he is on those crossers. Yeah. He does in stride consistently. What I haven't seen yet, and again, maybe it shows up in the final six or seven games that I haven't watched yet. His deep balls are line drives. Yes. Like, he does yes. not put that touch to, right. to kind of drop the 100%. ball in. And I wonder about that in the NFL, the way you need to, to put touch on these deep balls. is such an important part of the league. Yep. Is that an arm strength thing, you think, with you, that he can't get it out there? You know, he has to get it on the line. He can't get the air under it. How do you view that part of McCarthy's game? Because I think he generally is a very accurate passer, but right. the deep ball stuff, I did not like what I saw on tape. So for McCarthy, it's kind of been a journey for him, right? We start summer scouting in June, and when I started summer scouting this past year, I watched McCarthy because now draft eligible, former five-star, guy sure. who's you know, commanding a Jim Harbaugh offense. And when I watched him in 2020, I was like, this guy is far away from being an NFL quarterback. When it came to recognizing things pre-snap, recognizing things post-snap, getting to his reads, um, handling pressure, you know, pocket presence, just the feel around him, when to escape, when to not. I just, he just did not have a good feel of what it took to be a quarterback outside of some natural tools. 2023 was better in a lot of those ways. Stepped so, up in the pocket very a well lot. this year. Yeah, you know, much more confident, mm -hmm. and he, he saw things a little bit faster. And not that it was perfect. Again, if you plop him down in the NFL right now, like week one, if he was a starter week one, he'd struggle. He would, because mm -hmm. he's just not there yet. But he's getting better in a lot of ways, and I think that part of the conversation goes into your question of he does line drive a lot of those deep balls, but I wonder if it's because he's just not as experienced with those passes because they Maybe. didn't ask him to do it a lot and also is he still seeing things a tick late and then has to go get it out there, ah, okay right? boom and i've got i've got to put some because he loves the frozen rope passes he loves yes. the fastball and he's but good you, at them but you got to have a curveball you've got to have a change up like you've got to be able to change what you do and the speed of how you throw the ball to be a to be a uh, really good passer at the NFL level. So I, I do like McCarthy. I like McCarthy's 2023 a lot more than I thought that I was going to. So did but I, to is, be honest with it you. It is stuff like that that mm -hmm. goes, okay, you are still learning as and, one of the youngest prospects and By the way, class. some of those passes in the middle of the field that he throws into dangerous territory, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> somehow they get completed, by the way, which the, is crazy. The, the, the Ohio State throw, I don't know whether it's the luckiest throw of the year or the best the throw. The best throw, throw right? It's one, it's one of the two because either you saw the linebacker and you said, nope, I'm just still putting this exactly where I need to. Or you didn't see the linebacker and it just happened to go exactly where it needed to. So it, it is. We, you know, we put out the PFF draft guide earlier this week and we've got a section in there for quarterbacks for their heat maps. So it can show you exactly you know, where they've completed passes the most at different parts of the field. And McCarthy is without question. Middle of the field, right? The hottest intermediate middle of the field. Which is, throw. by the way, is a great way to project. That's what you want from college quarterbacks. That's the Jim Harbaugh offense part of the pro style, if mm -hmm. you will, that you that I actually take away the most from what I saw from McCarthy. Interesting. You know, I, I think this this is probably an, an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. 
How much more confident do you feel in some of these ratings and some of this data with all of these players who have had that extra year in college yeah. to mature, yeah. to polish, and to work on their game before they get to the NFL now? Because with the whole COVID thing, they've got the ability to do that. 100%. Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. I think all of them can be top 50 picks this year. We're talking about one of those guys in Jaden Daniels being a top three overall pick. All of them would have, if they had to go off of last year's tape, they're all day three players. All of them. And I think they had that extra year mm -hmm. to get better, yeah. to hone in on their craft more. And I don't really fault them for that, right? People talk, no, hey. pe people like to talk about like the age, right? And, and 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 when it's an older prospect, everybody goes, ah, you know, he's older. He's not I don't really mind it for quarterbacks. I don't mind they it all for quarterbacks. Forty now. One, you guys, I agree with you guys, one hundred percent. It's one thing for a position where you get a physically overwhelm yes. a bunch of twenty-year-olds, but yes. quarterback, it's this. If you are a running back and you're twenty-four, all right, I'm probably out on you because you're second. Mm -hmm. contract's going to come when you're 28, 29 right. years old, and you've probably got a lot of mileage on you anyways because you've been playing some extra years of college football. That's a different conversation. The quarterback one, I don't care about. People no, you know, people either. joke about Bo Nix. They're like, oh yeah, you know, he's going to be uh, he's going to be filing to take out his retirement in his second contract. <laughs> like, that's how he's going to get paid for it. And it's like, I don't really care. What's his, what's, what's Bo Nix's second contract? When he's 28? Dude, these right. quarterbacks are right. so hard to evaluate. Right. Give me as many snaps and situations and, as you can so I have the best chance and, and get it right. And so many of these guys, a big part of their scouting report of these older players are how they have improved in the mental parts of the game because right. they have been allowed to no start, doubt. because they have allowed to build on their confidence, and that stuff is so important. It stuff is so it that to me that means a lot. And so I, uh, I, I I think that though the COVID year makes it really confusing for me at the beginning of the year, who's when eligible? I, when, who's I see, when, yeah, I see, when I see I redshirt senior, and then in January it goes, oh yeah, he's returning from the draft. I'm like, I had a I, I did I did this guy's whole profile already because I thought that he was in the draft for sure. It's annoying for me, but I think right. it is great for these quarterbacks uh, giving them an extra. We've had fun asking this to everybody here. We might as well ask you too. I hate to be repetitive, but I think we've gotten really good answers. Neighbors of Dunesier. I I'm a neighbors guy. Right. I I like neighbors. Welcome to the club. He's gonna be he's gonna be my wide receiver too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How that close okay? is he to Marvin for you? Close. So is he's close for me too? Yeah, he is. And I think all three of these guys, you know. I, I would have no reservations about picking Marvin Harrison Jr. as the top wide receiver. But I think when it when when that question is asked, how close is he? I want to say the words close because genuinely, Malik Neighbors and Romo Dunze, if you take them out of this class and you put either of these guys in basically almost almost every other receiver class over the last ten years, they're probably wide receiver one coming out of the draft. The only one that maybe not Jamar Chase. Is twenty twenty one. Yeah. Right. Chase. Is the is the twenty twenty one year. And even then, like I had Jaden. I had Jalen Waddle over Jamar Chase. Did you really? So yeah. because I was a little bit worried about how much of a contested catch receiver Jamar Chase was. I had Waddle over Devontae Smith. That okay, I had. So there that you go. It's funny. Craig Cosell yelled at me yesterday, and yeah. actually, and we're going to replay that later on today. And yeah. I made the comparison that you know, when you talk about how Dunjay doesn't separate that well, mm -hmm. and my point that I made was that well, yes. But Jamar Chase didn't separate that right, well. And he's like, right. Jamar, Jamar Chase separated real well. I guess we'll agree to this year, guys. Well, yeah. we can, but you'll be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was you're, very funny. You're not going to beat the guru of, of tape. Right? I, like, no, Greg, I, you're the king. Yeah, right, you win. right. That's it. I respect how I see the game a lot. But, you know, if Greg told me that, I'd be like, all right, maybe I gotta go back yeah, and watch. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Right. maybe I'm just not seeing something. That's so. like getting different combine numbers. You know? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. Yes, yes. Um, Bowers. Yes. What's the earliest you would pick him? 
Um, I think Bowers is going to end up going between 11 and 20. I think that he's going to be a middle of the first round kind of a, kind of think a player. He'll get past 15. So 15 is kind of like the 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 pinch point, if you will, right? Because Indianapolis is sitting there at 15, and he, I think it'd be perfect for Indianapolis. I think they'd love to add him. Uh, in an offense with what Shane Steichen likes to do, the creativity that Steichen has, but also get that tight end option, that reliable young tight end option for Anthony Richardson. Hell, if I'm the Bears and the receivers are gone, I have trouble passing on him in nine, to be totally honest with you. I I know Cole Komet's there, but Bowers is good, It kind of depends what they do in free agency, right? Because if you're sitting there at nine and you have the opportunity to either take Bowers or whoever your top edge rusher is, Laatu Latu, Jared Verse, Dallas Mm -hmm. Turner, um, maybe even Byron Murphy. You know, I I know they picked a lot of interior defensive linemen over the last couple of years, but that then becomes a conversation to me. And, like, I I like Bowers a lot, but to pick a tight end in the top 10, I mean, you're you're basically paying them top 10 in the position already the second they get in the NFL, which is sort of a tough sell. Um and I just think there's got to be a specific way that you use him, right? He's not Gronk. Like he, some people look at him and think like, oh, we, we talk about him like he's this generational tight end, and you think he's a fantastic player, a fantastic prospect, but like six two two thirty, he's not going to be a sixth offensive lineman no. on the line of scrimmage type of player. He's going to be an off the line of scrimmage. He's going to be a wing back. He's going to be a split zone blocker. He's going to be a power slot player. Like, that's what he is going to be. Physically, he looks like Dallas Clark to me. He, I mean... Much more talent. But, smaller. But, I mean... Yeah, he's small. Right, right. And he and that, and that and again, it's always tough to have these conversations because when you do this, people go like, oh, you're just like either a hater or you don't like him. It's like, I think he's a really good football player. Right. You've just got to simply understand what you're getting. And yeah. you are getting more of a receiver than mm-hmm. you are a traditional tight end, which is okay because you can play him in tight end two alignments. Like, I love his ability to get to the second level. Or if you're running zone blocking schemes, getting him out to the sideline, getting him matched up against safeties or corners. I mean, he'll be able to block those dudes with no problem. But if you put this guy at you know, on the line of scrimmage and a six-man protection against some of these defensive ends that are 270 pounds, 275 pounds. I mean, he's not he's just not going to be able to hold up against them. You know what's interesting? In t- listening to a little bit of what he said today, one Last of the things question, that he mentioned okay, was he needs to get better at shedding blocks, yeah. getting off the line. Mm-hmm. And then he said, the other thing is, i got to learn how to better stay on a block. Yeah. So that when I try to make a block with somebody, I need to be able to make that second move to make sure that I do get him out of the way. Yep. He knows yep. that physically he's got a little bit of limitation there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. That's that's exactly the way that I see him. And I, I kind of noticed this earlier in the year when I started to study Brock Bowers. I, I went to Georgia's website and I was like, wait a second. Georgia has him listed at 6'4", 240, which means he's probably right. under 6'4", and mm-hmm. probably under 240. That's correct. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden, I, I'm doing the math. I'm going to mock draft while I'm looking up some of the combine measurements. Like those, are, That's like bottom 10 percentile, both height and weight. So you just have to understand what you're getting. He's still a good football player, right. but you got to understand no what you're getting. His run after the catch, though. Oh, boy. Oh, it's now. Oh, no, dude, God. he's he an incredible. Like Bro, and, and, and also, last thing, last thing I'll say yes. about Brock Bowers. Was able to get on the field in a very crowded tight end room 
at the University of Georgia. <laughs> Extremely talented football coach. As a freshman. As a yes. freshman. Yes. Which you don't get on the field for a Kirby Smart football team unless you have a physical, I will do what it takes to win at the position mentality. And so that's. And also to handling me, it mentally, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tight end's yes. a tough position. They had him right. in the backfield, split out, on Tight the line. Tight tough. Tight end. Tight end is an underrated, really difficult position to play. And Brock mm-hmm. Bowers was able to do it for one of the best programs in the country as a true freshman. And that matters, too. Brother, yep. this was fun. Yeah, of course, guys. Well, but, uh, yep. Tell Thank the folks you. where they should find all your stuff, podcasts and all that stuff. Yeah, um, we just had the draft guide come out over at PFF.com. So if you have a PFF subscription, you can go see that. we got 150 players on there, but we're adding you know, 50, 100 more before now in draft season. So you can see all that, all the scouting reports for all of those guys. And all then, Trevor, uh, by the way. He does all that himself. And then, himself. well, I've got a great <laughs> – I have, I have a <laughs> wonderful kidding. team that helps me gather all the data and makes it look beautiful and turns my chicken scratch into actual sentences. He prints so. it. He binds it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't do that. But then, uh, yeah, after – uh, after your wonderful listeners listen to this show, come hang out on the NFL Stock Exchange show with me and Connor Rogers. And you'll hear Connor on our show coming up tomorrow. So wow, make sure you we guys go. go check that out. All right, we'll be back with more right after this. Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports will talk some more draft. We'll be right back on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac. We got some cilantro, some onions, some carrots. Giving back to the community means a lot. Just to keep giving hope that, you know, you just live in a situation, the situation doesn't define you. I got you. Thank y'all. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. so nice of y'all. Thank you. Just little things like that, just to keep encouraging guys. For me, it's just a blessing to always be that impact for somebody else. I always say, try to be somebody to somebody. So when I go, I want my feet and my hands to move just as fast, right? It's been great getting to learn a lot, getting to meet a lot of kids. It kind of reminds you of where you used to be and it reminds you of of the impact that people have in, in your life. There you go. I think we had a tremendous impact on them, just being able to bring them a smile on the day and be able to, you know, really interact with them and get to know them. Give me one more. Hey. You know, really getting to step back and enjoy the moment. Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Hey, Giant fans, score a taste touchdown with Hellman's, the official mayonnaise of the New York Giants. John Schmalk, Paul Dettino, we're joined by Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. You can find those all, all his great work at cbssports.com. Mock drafts, it feels like every other day for you guys yeah. on the website. <laughs> it's a mock draft central. Chris, uh, you've been here a couple days now, kind of soaking everything in. What do you think the biggest theme of this draft class is that fans should be keeping an eye on over the next couple of months? two big themes and they tie directly to the Giants. The top of the quarterback class, the what is I've kind of heard this phrase being kind of thrown around a lot at night here at the common, the second wave of the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And then just the fact that this wide receiver class is not only top heavy with the Marvin Harrison Juniors and the Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, but then the depth in through the first round, second, third round, we've seen history, round two, round three, wide receivers, the DK Metcalfs of the world, Terry McLaurins, that go there. They're the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth receiver off the board. Three years later, they're a bona fide number one. How surprised are you? Did it sneak up on, on a lot of folks 
that this has now become a very strong offensive line draft. We haven't had one this strong in quite a Especially while. Especially offensive tackle. Yeah, it's probably since the 2020 class that had Tristan Wirfs and Jedrick Wills at Andrew the top. Thomas. Andrew right. Thomas, obviously. That, 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 that class was like, whoa, these are all up top. But up not, top, not, that not the depth. No. And what I think happens, honestly, being someone that, that because it's my job, I get kind of a head start on these prospects. I think – I kind of do this. I watch quarterbacks first. I watch receivers. I watch edge rushers. And then I'm like, oh, the off-. if you would ask me that two months ago, I'd say, oh, the offensive tackle class, not really that great. I haven't really watched it yet. So I think that's more of what happens. It didn't really sneak up on us. Um, Telly uh, Fuanga from Oregon State, maybe because he's playing out on the West Coast. A lot of his games are at night. The East Coast bias maybe was a little <laughs> bit hurting him at first. But this is a similar class to 2020 where – bonafide left and right tackle starters right away. And then round two and round three, you can get good guys too. Heck, I was going to say, if the Giants decide they want they pick a wide receiver early, let's say, and they want to pick an offensive tackle, if Kingsley Suomatia is there at yeah, the top yeah. of round two, he's really good. I'm not as high on Patrick Paul, but he's a day two guy with a lot of tools I think that can play. You know, I don't know when Jordan Morgan's going to go. Some people might yep. think he's a guard. We'll see. But there are even guys at the top of the second round. If you're lucky, that might drop if – Seven or eight guys don't go on round one. Yeah, Jordan Morgan from um, from Arizona is the one for me that I think his pass protection at Arizona was spectacular. He got injured last season, came back, kind of in that guard tackle mold a little bit more. That could push him down. But I think with what the Giants have experienced with all the injuries up front, you probably want that versatility. You don't want someone that's <laughs> only right. that's only a tackle. No Gra- doubt. Graham Barton from Duke is another one. Yeah. Is he is he kind of a uh, Peter Skaronsky type that played tackle and was good, but probably a guard at the next right. level. And but he if, might be a center. A lot and of he people could be think, a center. Right? So yeah, there's definitely Christian Jones from Texas is another one. Uh, I liked him in Mobile. I think he did a nice job. Yeah, so role. so it's like you were saying, Paul, that it, it's a class that has the the guys that we're going to hear early on, f- top half, top twenty picks in the first round, but also day two and day three, instant plug-and-play guys. Up it front. seems like it's also that way at corner, and there's a variety of corners. There were some nickel guys, you know, oh, yeah. guys you're going to be able to play inside, but there's a bunch of boundary guys too, and that also hasn't been the case as much in recent years. No, that's true, and I think for the Giants, going back to Deontay Banks last year, that he had the length that I think teams want in that classic boundary corner, and, and that's now getting into multiple years of Joe Shane, you can kind of build that prototype. Like, what is he like at the cornerback spot? Kyrie Jackson from Oregon is a name. He's kind of that throwback 6'3", yeah, long guy. arms, mm-hmm. um, but disrupted a lot of passes. There's times on film where he's beaten, but he's able to recover because he's so long and has those long strides. Um, Kamari Lassiter from Georgia is another name that's a bigger corner. So I Cam think Hart, Notre Dame, Cam Hart, one. 6'2". Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a big one. Had a good senior bowl as well where it, it it's – it's good value at that position, and we kind of know what the Giants want. And it kind of just is par for the course with college football. Every team has two and three good wide receivers. You need to be able to cover, and you need to be able to protect the passer. So it's kind of like I'm a broken record every year where this is a great receiver class, and the cornerback depth and the offensive tackle class has just a lot of depth at it because that's what college is sending to the NFL. I love Nate Wiggins' tape. I think if, oh God, if there's great. one guy to say, all right, go guard this guy one-on-one, out of all the guys in this class, okay. he's the guy I'm going to trust the most. But then I saw him stay at the podium today. If that dude turns sideways, he disappears. He's yeah. almost he's like, like a pretzel. A, he's almost he's like spindly. a two-dimensional character. <laughs> now, he's long, and that's great. But, my gosh, I don't know how much water he's going to drink before he gets on the scale, but I bet it's going to be a lot. Yep. But, boy, he is skinny, 
And I know he has some really good hustle plays, catching up yep. guys from behind and making tackles, but I wonder about him as, you know, all these outside runs down, the pin pulls and stuff, and you sure. can't cut offensive linemen anymore, mm, right? That's big. Like, how is he going to hold up in addition to those elite coverage skills? Yeah, the one thing, I, I totally hear you on that, and Wiggins looks spindly on film, and, and that's a little scary for a lot of the run game stuff that you pick a corner early and he's going to go in the first round most likely. You want him to be the full guy, but it's you're mostly picking him for his coverage. The one thing I will say is kind of a counter to that is we've seen wide receivers get a lot smaller. Jordan Addison goes in the first round That's last true. year. Tank Dell's my size. He was 5'8", 165 pounds, and had a great rookie season before he broke his leg. So it used to be even five to seven years ago, you needed your receivers to be, you know, the first round guys or the guys who ultimately really produce six one, six two, long arms, over two hundred pounds, over two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Jackson Smith and Jigba was was pretty small. Um, Jordan so, Addison was small. Jordan Addison uh. tiny. So I think the corners kind of have to match that. Where maybe someone like Kyrie Jackson that I mentioned from Oregon, who's six three, two hundred something pounds, he may actually almost get docked for his size a little bit because you're not going to be able to stay with those super shifty guys that not are just slot players anymore. They're playing inside and on the mm-hmm. perimeter because it's all about separation. Wendell Robinson moving up and down the line of scrimmage, aligning in multiple spots. I think ten years ago, had he came into the league, he would be slot only, can't play anywhere no else. No doubt. No doubt. And I think even with Jalen Hyatt, can play everywhere. It's not so much of a weight game when you're on the perimeter, when you're a corner or right. a receiver. All right. I want to ask you something. We just had Trevor Sakema on uh, a moment yeah, ago, right? And he was talking about how Bowers might be in the 15 range. So many people in the month leading up to the combine have said he's a guaranteed top 10 pick. So who would be your surprise top 10 name that takes a drop? All right, I'll give you one that's pretty juicy. Drake May. Really? He seems to be, from the buzz that I've heard, and I don't know what, what you guys have been getting around town here in Indy, I don't know what it is, and no one could really put a finger on it, but he seems to be, if there's a quarterback, I don't want to say that has a Will Levis-esque fall, but there's usually one that right this time we put all these quarterbacks, oh, they're going to be the first three picks, the first four picks, and there's usually one that slips a little bit. Drake May could ultimately be the one. He could be there for the Giants at six. That's the one prospect, along with Brock Bowers. I think it's crazy. I love Drake May. (laughs) Yeah, it makes no sense to me. Apparently, the NFL—I don't want to say the NFL because all it takes is one team. There are some people. More teams. Yes, we had it. I had it. You watched the film. Almost written in Sharpie, like Drake May is going to be the second quarterback off the board. And by the way, if someone likes Daniels a little bit more than him, I can understand that too. That's fine. But what I have gathered here in Indy is that there are at least a handful of teams that might view him more as a pick 8 to pick 12 to pick 15 type quarterback. I don't necessarily see that, but it was surprising to me, so I just wanted to share with you You know what's interesting about that, though? They all talk about how the personality and the uh, intel and the intellectual conversations sure. at this combine is what may swing. Well, May's got a good rep on that. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure what it is. Wild. Yeah, true. And, and the one that I've heard, the kind of the opposite that the that we are collectively as media not as high on is J.J. McCarthy. That the tutelage with Jim Harbaugh, he played you know, in three straight college football playoffs. Not a high-volume guy, but I think because of that, (laughs) the media members are a little lower on J.J. McCarthy. Mm -hmm. But the talent is there, and the intellectual side, again, being under the tutelage of someone who was a quarterback in the NFL and was with Colin Kaepernick and with (laughs) Alex Smith um, in the NFL, in Jim Harbaugh. McCarthy, we might be sleeping on a little bit. 
I've heard some people think he might go ahead of May, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I, I so again, this, it, it wasn't from 15 different people, but multiple people on Tuesday night told me that J.J. <laughs> McCarthy might not even get to the Vikings at 11. That's and wow. that was surprising to me because that I was would like, be the Falcons, obviously, right? What people are pointing at? Yeah, the yeah. Falcons for yeah. that to be in that kind of run heavier. I mean, I know that they moved on from Arthur Smith, but a run heavier system that could be could kind of mimic what he did at Michigan. Mm-hmm. The high Ooh. upside is there. <clears throat> I like JJ McCarthy a lot. I think he's a first round pick because of the tools. I didn't necessarily see him as someone that was kind of told to me with a fair amount of confidence that's going to be a top 10 pick. Can I reverse this and say, do you see someone accidentally, or not accidentally, but suddenly swooping into the top 10 who we're not talking about? The Raiders seem to make a lot of sense because I think, and that that pivot point could probably be the Patriots at three. It seems to be the buzz. It's kind of a split idea are they just going to go three whoever the third quarterback is they're going to pick him because we kind of feel like that the quarterbacks are going to go number one and number two Mm -hmm. that are they going to pick a quarterback a lot of people think they have to they have to move on from mac jones and bailey zappi but they are also understanding that they're not ready to compete in this loaded afc and like let's move back let's get first round picks next year let's get maybe a brock bowers after they trade back or something like that so i i think yes there will be maybe more than ever and we saw it last year with cj Stroud, teams trying to move up to get a quarterback. We haven't talked about two sets of players yet uh, on today's show. Running back and safety, two players the Giants have free agents at Mm -hmm. in Saquon Barkley and Xavier McKinney. If the Giants do not return either one of those guys, I don't think anyone expects a running back or safety to go in the first round. Maybe Mm -hmm. a safety at the very end, perhaps. from Miami, maybe. Yeah, or maybe Tyler Newbin. We'll see. Running back, for me, I wouldn't pick one until the third round in this draft class, but I'd love to get your opinion if you think it's different. Who from those classes would you like on day two that you think you can bring in and maybe they have a chance to come in and start right away So for you? I love this running back class because I have devalued them forever. That when there's the years of the Bijan Robinsons and the even Saquon Barkley, it was like amazing player. The highest graded running back I've, I've ever had was Saquon Barkley. I just wouldn't have known it, or I wouldn't have picked him that early. I think in this class, I feel the same way. Trey Benson is my guy from Florida State. I mean, what he did in 2022 where he was really the feature back in terms of forcing missed tackles, bouncing off tacklers, I think those are the two traits that you need at the running back spot. Um, I love Bucky Irving from Oregon. If you mm. want the different type that is going to be super elusive, but he's more of a you know catch the ball out of the backfield in space type player if you want to add that type of weapon. I think this is a class where running backs will be picked at what I view their correct value to be. And how about safety? Safety in terms of depth or yeah, like name? day two, or the day two safety that you would like that the Giants maybe not with their first second round pick. Sure. They have that second Seattle pick right in the 47. middle of the second round. Yeah, anybody that you like from the safety class that you think you can really plug in as more of your free safety center fielder type in this draft. Yeah, there's a Texas Tech corner, uh, Dadrian Taylor Demerson. Mm-hmm. Super explosive and played like free safety. We see so like a lot mm. of the safeties today are they're playing in the slot. They're strong sure. safeties. They're linebackers. I love Jaden Hicks from Washington State, who's a bigger guy. Did a lot of that. When you watch that Texas Tech safety that's got a mouthful of a name, it is free safety 
deep middle, run and find the football at the boundary, run the alley on those outside runs, and I think he's going to test really well. He kind of feels like maybe even a third rounder at pick 70 for the Giants Okay, that w- would be just that explosive playmaker. Maybe we'll miss some tackles here or there, but a lot of ball production and coverage because he's such a dynamic athlete. How about Bullock from USC? I know he doesn't tackle well, but boy, he knows how to read quarterbacks and get after the football. He's another one, too, that, that feels like day two. Javon Bullard from Georgia is another one that's kind of in that mold to mm-hmm. be the free safety um, and, and can just patrol there. I think we get so in tune with versatility today where some guys are versatile, but they're not really great in it, at anything. Those three names that I just mentioned can be really good as free safeties with the yeah, Giants. And Bullard was very impressive at the podium earlier. Yep. Time I, one I, more, Paul. Yeah, yep. I, I, well, I have to go to the final one no, that we just it, haven't please. touched. Yeah. It's always sexy to get that pass rusher. Mm. And this year's pass rushing class I mean, the top three pass rushers in this class may not be in the top ten at all. There's a chance because mm-hmm. Latu's coming off the injury. Yeah. And there may not be very much depth either. So if you're the Giants and you still do need another pass rusher, yep. I don't know that you're going to be able to get anybody here. Yeah, I, I think later, uh, like I said, with pick 47, pick 70, where, where you're still hoping to get a big-time contributor, Jonah Ellis from Utah is – I think he's going to test well, and that's going to help him a lot. He's got the the family pedigree. His brothers are in the NFL. I've not played. watched him yet. Okay, watch him. He's very is explosive. that Greg Ellis's kid? No, it, it's like Caden Ellis's brother. Oh, okay, yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah. I got you. Um, very explosive around the corner. A little bit raw, but you see the traits. And I like Braylon Trice from Washington. Mm, a very little, productive. A little older, but I'm a big time guy. Like I'm someone where yes, you want the traits, obviously. But sometimes with edges, you can fall in love with the traits and they just can't get to the quarterback in college. Braylon Trice, multiple seasons, three years at Washington. Two years ago, he had the most pressures in all of college football. Comes back for his final season, not a freaky athlete, but the pass rush moves are there, the bull rush is there. Mm -hmm. Feels like because of the traits, he'll fall onto day two, even maybe toward the end to that 70th pick, where he's a high floor guy, where like you're saying, it's not a super high end Mm -hmm. talent class at edge, but day two and day three, we're going to look back and say like early day three, that's where the best players were picked at the edge rusher spot. Trice, uh, Braswell, Braswell Braswell. Marshawn Neeland, I think is another guy that got him in that category. Chris, this is great, man. Tell the folks where they go find all your stuff. Yes. Uh, all CBS Sports, we got prospect rankings coming out, big boards, uh, and just a lot of scouting reports i got to get you for those last couple guys in the draft. Get to it. <laughs> yep. Thanks, right. guys. Uh, we'll be back with Paul Schwartz. We'll take your calls at 201-939-4513. Get on the phone, and we'll take some calls with Paul when we return right here. And then we're going to go a little bonus time, folks. We're a little bit longer today. We'll probably go to around 145 uh, or so. We're going to have Greg Cosella wrap up the show. But stick with us. We'll be right back with more Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Cadillac after this. Mosey's emoji is either the laughing emoji or the crying emoji that I use when I'm laughing even extra harder. Something about me not a lot of people know would probably be that I'm a black belt. My favorite follow on social media is Rod Wave. You know, I feel like I'm a huge Rod Wave fan. He's from around my hometown, so, you know, gotta follow him and see, see what he does with music he drops. My biggest pet peeve, man, I would say when people chew and they're like talking when they're chewing. This is fantastic. <laughs> Makes your taste buds come alive. And they're, if they're like dragging their feet when they walk, you know, my parents always instilled in me not to do that. So I'll probably say those two things. 
It's a thread. A love affair. I fell in love with the Giants. I saw LT run the touchdown back when they played the Detroit Lions. Phil Simms was my dad's guy. From generation? Eli was my guy. To generation. Giants special. We are the New York Giants. Most used mode is laughing mode. <laughs> My all-time favorite character of Marvel is the Black Panther. I feel like being the first black character. Me being able to see that at this phase of my life, I like to support him. One thing about me that a lot of people don't know is that I'm 20 years old. You're young. You're so young. <sighs> my biggest pet peeve is Russian. Rushing around, scrambling around, unorganized. Rush? You wanna rush? Back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle, the New York Football Giants. John Schmelk, Paul DeTino, joined by a friend of the program, the one and only Paul Schwartz of the New York Post. Paul, how has uh, Indianapolis been treating the last few days, man? Let me ask you something. Do you ever bring in Enemies of the program? Yes, occasionally we do, actually. <laughs> Just to tick me off. It, it, it's like, good to be with you. I really don't like you, John. And Paul, you're the worst. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we get that a lot. I don't know. Friend of the program is, I mean, uh, I guess that's moderately accurate. I'm a friend, friendly Acquaintance, would you prefer? Well, Acquaintance I mean, of the it, program? It, it, no, it's okay. It's okay. okay. Every, everything's good. This is, um, you know, people complain about a lot of things. I don't complain about the combine. I you like know, the combine. I mean, it's I, fun. I I just think it's it's to me. Look, I'm not a scout. I haven't been with these guys. This is the kickoff to a two month sprint to the to the draft, and all the players are here. Mm -hmm. The coaches are here. The GMs are here. There's people to talk to. Indianapolis is a familiar place. Everything you can walk to. Um, you know, every year I try to touch base with as many players as I can. Thinking, guessing, hoping, whatever. Just there, is there any link to the Giants or even players that I've just no link to the Giants? Just um, interested. Let me, in. let me get a feel for mm -hmm. it. you. Know what I mean? You know, I'm, like I said, I'm not a scout. I just watch these guys on TV, and every year I come up with some impressions that some observations that are helpful and are interesting. That's all. I mean, sometimes they're meaningless, sometimes they're meaningful. But you spend five minutes just listening to a guy. You get a body type. You get a, a, a just a sense of how they answer questions and no they doubt. look people in the eye. And, and there's no question body type that, holy, you know, I'm used to the NFL locker room. That sometimes you see, because, holy cow, this guy's not big. You know what thing. guys at certain positions are supposed to look well, like. Well, like Brock Bowers does not physically impress you very much when you see him in person. No. I mean, I remember being at the podium with Dexter Lawrence. I remember being at the podium mm -hmm. with Evan Neal. You know what I mean? And I remember, Andrew Thomas. I, I remember looking at Evan Neal and saying, that guy weighs 330 he or whatever looks it was. He slender at right. 340. Three, it was 340. Bizarre. I said, yeah. that's, that's, he's carrying some nice weight there. Um, Dexter was carrying just massive weight. You know, he just, he just, looked, you know, good, he still does. Good, yeah, no, he, he, he looked different. You know, he looked different also. But yes, a lot of times, um, I think my observation, yes, Paul, is a lot of these guys, you'd say, 
okay, that's not quite an NFL body yet. Mm-hmm. But that's that's why you have guys doing scouting and saying, you know, today maybe no, um, in a year, yes. This is a great point to ask this question because you just talked about how much you like to be here. There are more and more head coaches who are not coming. Now, you've been covering this league for a long time. How do you feel about their decisions not to come here? Well, first of all, is it true that they have limiting the video access now? Is that true? What do you mean? I, I heard that, that they are not allowing some of these interviews to be videoed back to, like, the coaches. Oh, I don't know the answer. I, I have haven't not heard, heard that. that. Okay, so maybe that. that's not, not true. Well, I you the, might be right. I, I, heard, I heard there was some restrict. Look, here's what I would say about that. I can't understand. Look, I'm a reporter, right? Like I said, I get in a room with someone. It's my job to get a sense of them. Mm-hmm. And get information out of them, right? Get a story out of them. I can't imagine a head coach coming here and sitting in these interviews versus a guy who's not here. I can't imagine. I mean, for example, what else do you I have mean, better is, to is, do? Is he is he is he is he is he a foot shaker? You know what I mean? There's just things you ob- and you notice. And is he slumping? Is he doing this now? You can get the tape or you can watch it, but. I don't know. I mean, this is too important. This is too. This is. This isn't putting together your rookie camp. This is your team. So I don't know. I agree. You know, I. You the know, list is growing though, Paul, and it's really surprising to me. Yeah. Look. Look. I. I. I don't like that Brian Dable doesn't talk to us here at the media, other than saying hello to him. You know, in in various places. Well, you know, maybe he's actually city. busy doing things that are important. Well. To him. Well. I mean, look. All, there were twenty coaches that spoke here. Okay. Was and it twenty? 20, yes. And there's, you know, a few that haven't shown up at all and a few that are here and haven't spoken. All the GMs, I believe, maybe there's a couple of exceptions spoke. Um, At the owners meeting in a month from now, Brian Dable will speak, Joe Shane will speak, and John Mara will speak. And Mm -hmm. that's a sweet spot there, yes. But, yes, I mean, am I going to, you know, jump on this table and start, you know, pounding my fist that Brian Dable didn't speak? No. He believes that Joe Shane, the GM, this is... GM season. During the whole season, Shane never talks, and Dayball talks every day. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. But I, I don't understand how um, all the assistants and all the head coaches aren't here because I just think yeah. it's too important. I mean, you can get one slight impression of a guy that could make a difference. Why wouldn't you want to be here for that? And I agree. What else are they doing? I mean, I don't think they're all golfing. I mean, are they? <laughs> I mean, you know what? You got to get your head. You know, film study is great. You got to get your head out of the film study. Maybe sometimes. if you have a brand new staff and you're trying to get the guys integrated, maybe that I understand a little you know bit. What? But get them integrated here. Bring them to India. By the way, that that's what Joe Judge did. Remember, he, yeah. he they were putting mm-hmm. the whole ga- like offense and defensive systems together in meetings yeah. during the day. Then they met with players at night. Look, it's 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 double duty. It's no fun. But you know what I mean. That's when you fire people and hire people. You got to do all yeah. that work. But I don't understand how. The draft is crucial. I don't understand how you're not going to be in all these interviews. and You don't have to be conducting them. The head coach can be sitting in the back, listening, taking a few notes, well, maybe quite, interjecting something. It's important. Quite honestly, Paul, even Joe Shane said, the stuff that you acquire here in person at the Combine doesn't even have to apply to this year. It could apply three or four years down the road. And Joe Shane says that all the time. The interview, the interviews and the information right. doesn't grow mold. I'm, it's I'm, still useful. You know, wh- why should the Giants talk to... You know, I don't know if they're going to have a sit-down with Caleb Williams or not. Why shouldn't they? Because it's free advertising. You get to sit down with a guy, and now the second time around, you look back and you say, you know what, 
I didn't have a good vibe for that guy. Let's investigate mm-hmm. that. I mean, yes, I, there's no question. Yeah. What happens if he demands a trade in three years? Uh, I mean, you ne- you don't know how good things I, in the I, NFL I, go. I, I, Stranger I just, things have happened. This is this is the I information agree. gathering week. And as much as you can, you got to delineate responsibility so your whole staff is doing it. I think it's great for the staff because now it gets, you know, these assistant coaches in on the, the college prospects and, you know, more so than the scouts at this time of year. And they get to study. They get to have their voices heard, their opinions They'll heard. They'll be more invested you, in the you, players. You know, you know what I mean? And, 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 and you know, Joe Shane has told us, look, we draft for – the player, not the scheme. He said, Bill Parcells taught him that a long time ago, right? Don't take this guy because he's a great 3-4 edge rusher because in two years you might be playing a 4-3 and now this guy can't play. Just so get good players. Get good players. And look, I mean, look, there's no question that they're talking to Shane Bowen, the new defensive coordinator, about what is your vision of what this safety is? What is your vision of this? And they're not going to say, well, whatever. You don't have a vision for the guy. We're taking him anyway. It's got to work together. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. You don't just draft a guy for one system. All right. I want to wrap up. Um, one wrap-up question for you at the end. But I have three calls I want to get to, Paul. So let's do that now. 201-939-4513. Aaron in Charleston will lead us off on Big Blue Kickoff Live with Paul Schwartz. Aaron, what's up? What's going on, guys? So real quick, um, I'm interested in Travondre Sweat. I would love to see him paired with Dexter Lawrence, but that's not likely. Well, Aaron, I have a question for you real quick. Aaron, real quick, why do you want to put another massive human being with Dexter? I figured you want to put a smaller, more mobile guy with Dexter in the middle. A three technique. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. But to me, I remember like the old Baltimore Ravens defense when they had big Sam Adams and Tony Saragusa next to each other, mm-hmm. how clear it was for the linebackers and everybody else. That's a lot of years ago. Put, yeah. I, it is, it is. But I noticed you get a lot of pressure up the middle. That's a better pressure to get on these quarterbacks, especially the ones who have to cut out and run because they're not reading the defense. So, But either way, he's a, he's a really good athlete. I didn't want just a big guy, but who are some of these really athletic defensive linemen, specifically guys who would line up next to Dexter Lawrence, that we can keep an eye out for during the combine? Good question. Appreciate the call, Aaron. We talked to the defensive linemen a little bit, what was that, yesterday? Yesterday. I think, yeah. in, in, in the morning. I mean, a bunch Bi- of the defensive tackles. Byron Murphy is a guy that I think would fit perfectly next to Dexter Lawrence. Unfortunately, he's going to probably be gone between picks 10 <laughs> and 20, so, that, so that's not really going to work out. I'll try to get some names here while I, while I take a look at the list here, Paul. How important do you think in this new defense is getting that Leonard Williams replacement to be that pass-rushing defensive tackle next to Dexter Lawrence? I mean, Leonard Williams got paid a lot of money for a lot of years. And so he's probably going to get paid a lot of money again this offseason. Good player. You're not going to get him. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, trying to think, I'm trying to think of the roster now and think if there's anybody who they think can kind of, you know, A'shaun Ryder Robinson. Ryder Anderson, Nacho. A'shaun's a free agent. Um, Nacho's a free No, he, no he, he, he signed a two-year deal with Nacho. He's Nacho, back. okay. Yeah. So he's back. Um, yeah, I mean, they'll add people, and they, they'll probably draft somebody, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe they'll sign someone a free agency. Um, it is important, but, you know, you don't need all pros at every position. You right. Know, you, you, Dexter Lawrence is that. So you need a guy who can complement him. Um, you know, when Leonard Williams was the highest-paid player on the team, and now Dexter is right in that category, you know, behind, I guess, Andrew Thomas, you can't have two of them side by side. It's just not the way it works anymore, unless mm-hmm. you know one of them's on a rookie deal. So, um, 
you know, that guy next to Dexter is probably going to be a lesser paid, uh, lesser profile player, but he still has to be a good player because, you know, we've been told in this new system that upfield rush early in the downs is going to be more important. You know what I mean? Wink was very much stop the run early and then get after it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, this will be a different scheme. You know, Dexter can do anything. You know, Dexter can play for anybody. You know, I mean, I, don't you think so? Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yes. Yeah, you know, I think whatever you ask Dexter to do, you know, he can do. Although but, it does pose an interesting question how the new defensive coordinator will want to use him. Well, um, the last two years, the way Dexter was used, it was great. Was seemed to be conducive to what he he can do. I best. agree with you. So, but um, I mean, I mean, we I, still don't know what the what the look, uh, put it this new way. DC it, wants it, to do. Is Shane Bowen going to come in and say, "Okay, I looked at all the cutups and we got to change Dexter"? Yeah, it seems. Pretty I would silly. doubt it. Right. I would doubt it. Put him over the center. Let him roll, man. I mean, I mean, really. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> see, look, you you come in if you're the quarterback coach and you you know they hand you. Patrick Mahomes, you do what he does best. You're the you're the defensive mm -hmm. coordinator, and they hand you Dexter Understood. Lawrence. You say, okay, how do we? What do we do around him? He's good. All right, I'm going to throw a couple defensive tackle names at you real quick. If you want that smaller, quicker upfield yeah, guy, I got a couple. Uh, guys Braden too. Fisk from Florida State. Yep. He's going to be a day two pick. Michael Hall from Ohio State going to be a, a, a day two pick. And if we, if you want a bigger guy, you know the caller seemed to think about wanting a bigger guy. Uh, Mason Smith from LSU who had basically broad shoulders up to his ears yesterday at the podium. He's a massive human being. And there's some other guys as well. Rook Ororo out of Clemson, which is one of the funnest names to say in this draft class. You, you, you kind of sound like Scooby-Doo saying the name. But I've already heard is. Bob Papa has taken him off the Giants draft board. <laughs> yes, he yeah, probably yeah, would. That's yeah. a good and, by, and by the way, Smith, who played all along the defensive line, said he does favor playing three technique or the five oh, technique. There we go. So that, that would kind of fit. I also think Chris Jenkins uh, from Michigan uh, is possibly a sleeper down the road. Yeah. Let's go to Wilson and Roxbury. He's up next. Hi, Wilson. Hey Johnny, Paulie, how are you? Hey Hi. Paul, man, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I, I have a question for you guys, especially for you, Paul. Let me ask something, man. Uh, out of all the 32 general managers, I think Joe Shane has the most pressure out of all of them, and I tell you why. This is his third mulligan. A lot of fans and a lot of media think he completely botched it with Kevin Thibodeau and uh, and uh, Evan Neal. And then this is his third mulligan. If he gets a quarterback, which I think is a mistake. I mean, the Daniel Jones era is over. You cannot pick a quarterback with the sixth overall pick and have him sit behind Daniel Jones. That is managerial suicide. And he's better, he better pray that he's the real deal. And if he doesn't pick a quarterback, he got, he's got to pick a, a, a player that makes an immediate impact, man. Can't be no more a project. We can, it can, it can, it's got to be an impact player. Or I don't think he'll be here to make a fourth, a, a fourth draft, man. I really don't. He's got to, this, is, this is it. We, we need somebody... That will make an impact right away. What do you think? Paul and I have fought this battle many times. I'm going to let you handle yeah, it. Thank you, you, Wilson. Can, can you just, it was a little low in my headset. Can you repeat some of his main points so I can respond? Because I couldn't hear a lot of it. Seriously, my, my it was a little low. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Uh, very broadly that Joe Shane Is has the most, most pressure of, on him than any right, other GM. Right. And that if he either picks a quarterback or messes up and picks someone poorly, that he should get fired after the year, more or less. And, and, and he was also suggesting that they missed with Thibodeau and Neal. Yes, I, uh, I, I find I that believe out of left field. Com well, completely botched, I believe, yes, is the well, terminology. Which makes no sense. By the way, this is not me. This is me just repeating what he yeah, said. Okay, okay. Agree, so I, I, didn't, record, I, yes. I was getting... Ignore it, the it, it, typical part, because that's just ridiculous. Well, well, well look, um, 
Um, Joe Shane is unquestionably the second general manager to have the Heat in New York. Not in the league. In New York. You know what I mean? So you say he's the 31st, you know, he's the number one guy with pressure. Well, I would say Joe Douglas for the Jets is ahead of Joe Shane. I don't know. I would have to go through the list. More than Brian Cashman? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, okay. they're fine. You know, they'll, win a, they'll, they'll win 100 games and they bury their mistakes with their money. They're fine. They're fine. They better um, win 100 games. They're fine. It's been a while. Um, um, Shut but, up, Pearson. Look, 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 I mean... John Mara has said, and, and through his own mistakes, that when you keep on replacing guys every two years, it's a failure. It, it, you know, and there are reasons why you do this and you do, do this. John Mara would like nothing better than to sit back and say, let Joe Shane retire in this job. You know what I mean? And Joe, sure. Shane, Joe Shane is not under fire right now. Brian Dable is not under fire right now after one bad season. Somebody in the organization said to me not too long ago, does everyone forget that Brian Dable was the coach of the year last year? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that like gone? So, um, you know, look, the Jets drafted Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. They probably hit two home runs, right? Uh, you know, at four and what? Um, eight? eight? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Both okay. top ten. So the, the Giants drafted Thibodeau, who's a good player. He's a good player. I don't know if he's a great player. He's a good player. He's, he's, he's number five. He's He's fine. ascending. We think so, yes, yes. And now in this new defense, it'll be very interesting. And Evan Neal, who is on his way to trouble. To quote know. Joe Shane, he needs to play better. He needs to play that better. I mean, you know, so, so there's no question that that number seven pick is is very precarious right now with this guy. And at this time next year, we will 95% know what that pick is, mm-hmm. whether it was a bust or it was okay. You know what I mean? He has, he has you know, that, that blank is not slate for him, but he has a chance to, to create his own story here. But... Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I wrote a story today in the Post about, you know, exploring the quarterbacks. You know what I mean? And, and, and my point was that when you're at number six, unless you have your unquestioned franchise quarterback, you, it is incumbent upon you to study the quarterbacks. And if there's one there that you love, you have to take them at number six because six is high. Six is high. You don't get. They didn't want to be at six. You know, they wanted to be in the twenties or. The, you whatever. hope you're not at six. You hope you're not yeah. at six. Mm-hmm. So you have to study it, and if if you if you have a conviction, you have to do it. But I don't think. I mean, I was told specifically we are not desperate to take a quarterback. Okay, mm-hmm. so at number six, you investigate everybody, all the top six guys. You investigate them all, and even more because. You can draft a guy in the second round, too, and the third round. You can draft a quarterback who you think is a developmental guy who you're going to keep on your roster, and it's some measure of insurance. We know the Giants are going to sign a veteran, right? I mean, Joe Shane said, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, that, look, Tyrod is definitely in the mix here. You know, we're going to talk to these people. I thought that kind of ship has sailed, but what veteran are they going to sign? Are they going to sign Trubisky? Are they going to sign Tannehill? Are they going to sign Brissett? Um, I don't know who they're going to sign. We'll but know in a few weeks, probably. We'll know. And, and well, you know, sometimes these, these backup quarterbacks take a long time, Paul. Oh, I know. You know sometimes they kind of sit there and they don't want to commit. They want to see who they're going to draft. None you of know? them want to wait as long as Hostetler did. Well, <laughs> so, you know, so we'll <clears throat> see. But, you know, to say, Joe Shane, you know, I, so I wrote that story and people, you know, responded back to me. If Joe Shane doesn't draft a quarterback, he needs to be fired. Okay, that's fans talking. That's obviously right. not the case because right now the Giants do not have a number one receiver. 
they do not have one. Correct. And, and Joe Shane acknowledged that they they have some pieces. Uh, they do not have a number one receiver. And um, most people think that there are three guys this year who are number one receivers who can be difference makers from day one. And if one of those guys is sitting there for the Giants at number six, which, what would you say, there's a 90% chance one of them will be there mm-hmm. at number six, maybe higher, mm-hmm. maybe higher, will be there, and you don't take him, you may regret it. Um, and if you force the quarterback, you force J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix because we desperate for quarterback and he's 17 on our board, but we're taking him at six because it's a quarterback, you might hit and you might fail spectacularly. You don't want to go shopping hungry. You don't want to go shopping hungry. You don't want to order food look, hungry, look, right? That's, that's the way it goes. People are saying now that they think quarterbacks can go one, two, three, right? Now, look, it's early. Then, then you're going to hear the Patriots are not drafting a quarterback, whatever it is, whatever it is, right? 2021. One, two, three, quarterback, 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 mm-hmm. right? Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. It's 2021. It's it's like a, 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 an eye blink ago, right? Yeah. Two of those teams are just, you know, now, now look, now the 49ers recovered beautifully because Mr. Irrelevant became a good quarterback, <laughs> and they have a great team. They have a great offense. They fell into that big pile in the middle of the, and, and you, know well, what? you know what? Joe Shane has also <laughs> said several times, you have to remember to build your team around the guy. And the 49ers built their team around a guy, and then the guy was a little better than they thought, and they made the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, it's easy to say now you have to take, you know, Jaden Dale. You just have yeah. to take him. You have to take Bo Nix. You have to take J.J. McCarthy. Um, they need a quarterback. These teams get it wrong more than half the time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all do. there is to it. And it's when you fail as a quarterback, it is just breathtakingly, you know, Difficult to come back from. All right, we got two calls. We got to go rapid fire here, guys. We're running out of time. We got to go quick. So, Stephen Len, we got to do one quick question for Paul, and then we got to move on. Stephen Georgia, what's up, pal? Okay. Hi. Right. Uh, only thing I want to say is, Paul, I really enjoy your columns. You're very, you're very fair and rational. I especially enjoyed your column talking about the quarterbacks, which leads into my question, really here. Um, Daniel Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks always define quarterbacks as tractors and trailers. Where do you think the break off this year is from tractors and trailers? You mean uh, appreciate the call in, the, uh, in terms uh, of people in the draft, the tiers, the, yeah, the, the yeah, tier? and tractor meaning guys that can put a team on their back and carry them, and trailers being a t- guy that gets pulled along by their team by the quad. I mean, it's them. it's really hard. I think that Caleb Williams is a one. I agree, too. And I don't think it's one, two, three. I think he's a one. So I think he's in his own tier. And then I think Drake May is a two. And I think Jaden Daniels is intriguing, you know, interesting, but not. So I would say that's the second tier. And I think the third tier is what everyone says is McCarthy, who barely threw the ball in Michigan and wins every game he plays. So, you know, he needs to be investigated. And Knicks, Penix, I think, maybe trailing that thing. Um, you know. Joe Shane said it's a deep class of quarterbacks, but he also said there's some twos and there's some threes. So he absolutely a, did. It's a deep class of guys who will make money in this league. The NFL players. The NFL mm-hmm. players. You know, and, and there are times when that's not the case. Paul, so, I had a scout tell me he thinks there are ten potential starting quarterbacks in this league. Not stars. Wait, in this draft. In, the in, draft. This, in, in this draft. draft. Well, that's in this crazy. Draft. Not stars. That's crazy. The guy said to me there are ten quarterbacks in this draft who'll be starting quarterbacks. who will be starters in this league at some point in time and you know what they're okay, not, well, they're not all going point. in the That's first round they're not all going in the no, first round no of course not so of course not um, look it's 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 
that might be the more prudent way to go. All right, let's go to Len in Columbia, Maryland. Len, what's going on, pal? Final call of the show. Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, Paul, I admire your work. You. Um, uh, Brock, Brock Bowers, um, I'm going to ask the question anyway, but I don't think he's getting past Harbaugh at five. If Harbaugh talks to his brother in Baltimore, he's going to tell him how valuable tight ends are. The Ravens may have three tight ends. Well, they do have three tight ends that could start on the Giants, any one of them. But I'm going to ask my question anyway. Positional value versus Rob Rang's idea the other day, uh, John, when he was on with you, that Bowers is the best tight end to come out of college he has ever seen. Remember, yep. both are true. Tell me which one you you pick. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the call. I mean, wasn't Pitts, Kyle Pitts, considered a better all-universe prospect than I agree. Brock Bowers? He I was. Think that's wasn't he? True. He was he bigger, was. stronger, faster. Absolutely. Um, he was. He was the, maybe not stronger, but certainly uh, taller he, he and faster. He was the unicorn yes. that they said. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about him being a tight end. He's an offensive weapon as a as as a pass catcher. Correct. So you just put him in, and he's your you know he's your Kelsey, he's your Gronk, he and he's your focus. Um, look, Bowers was up there at the podium today, right? And we talked about this. He doesn't look like anything special. I'm not saying he's not special. He's physically probably needs to get bigger. He's terrific. Um, I think the top five is very, very optimistic for him. You know, I really do. Mm-hmm. I Concur. really do. Yeah. All right. So as I ask you this last question, Paul, I've been dared on camera here to eat one of the spicy shrimp cocktails from St. Elmo's. You're so really going to do this? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. Whoa. I've had it before. It's okay. I had it before. I'm going to brush a little bit of this off. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. But so I'm going to ask the question, right. then I'm yeah, going to eat back at the up. same Hold time. Up. Am I in the splash? No, no, you're back fine. Up. Yeah. Gut feeling right now. What do the Giants do with the six pick? Oh, gut feeling right yeah. now. How are you going to do with no, that? Giants no, Giants at six. Giants at six. Um, they'll take a wide receiver. It'll be either, um, oh, how do you say his last name, Rome? Odunze. Um, Odunze from Washington or neighbors from um, LSU. That, right. that would be the two guys that I would I would put up there. Nothing wrong with that. Are you okay? okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I got got almost all the sauce. I did well. You did well. Very nice. It does clear the sinuses. Pretty good. Uh, Pearson got the other one. Good job, Pearson. All right. Okay. I I, I think that's fair. You don't have like a uh, a pastrami or a knish for me or anything, no? I I don't eat shrimp. There actually is a really good New York deli in Indianapolis on the other side of the stadium. That's that that I had last year. It was the pastrami was actually really good. And I was looking for a slice of Sicilian, but I'm not going to get that. I I, I would not roll the dice on pizza. No, not here. Absolutely not. I I will not say a bad word about Indianapolis. I like the. the, I love it. I like it. I like the restaurants. I have my spots I go to. I am not getting deli in Indianapolis. Said almost cocktail beat you on well, the air. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When you come back, Greg Cosell joins Paul and I. Paul Schwartz, thank you very much for doing it. Thanks, guys. Paul. We'll thank see you, you back in thank New York. You. We'll be right back on Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Cadillac. Giants fans, get loud and welcome your New York football Giants. Take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. And it's intercepted. Deontay you will receive exclusive benefits like members-only events, game day experiences, and discounts on Giants merchandise at the team shop. Sack by Thibodeau, and the Giants have won! To learn more about a New York Giants season ticket membership, visit Giants.com tickets. One, two, three, Giants! 
All right, we're back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, joined by the maven of film over at the maven? NFL. Yeah, maven. What's wrong with you maven? You don't hear that word very often. I like to bring back big time words. Okay. Maven. Would you like Google is that like better? A, is that like, like that an better? SAT word? Sure. <laughs> Do I need my number two pencil for that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. The the master of film, that NFL go. film. Well, also you know, the I, matchup show on ESPN. It's okay. I just watch a lot of film, John. You know, that's yeah. He does, and we're gonna talk about all that. <laughs> the one and only Greg Cosell. Greg, it's good to talk to you. We talk to you every year here at the combine. We'll try to do something again when you. You, you watch talk some to more me whether you want to or not every year. We'd love to. <laughs> it is. It, it, it is. It's one of the highlights of being here in Indianapolis. Let's start here. No one watches more tape than you do. So before we dip into the draft prospects, watching tape the way you do all week long, uh, all year long. Pardon me. What are some of the schematic things that you really think are taking over the league from an offensive and defensive perspective oh that have really been effective and teams are having trouble finding answers for? Offensively, I'd say motion is a big factor. Um, motion is something that some teams use more than others. There's reasons why teams use it and reasons why they don't use it. But one thing that motion does do, and this is the teams that use it effectively, it shrinks your defensive menu because mm -hmm. you can't make a lot of adjustments uh, in response to motion. And when you say motion, you mean motion at the snap, right? Either jet sweep or inside and, well, out motion, the motion stuff is. like that. Yeah, right. yeah. But I'm not talking about a shift movement, where correct. a guy moves and then resets. I'm talking about where there's someone moving at, at the, the snap, snap of the correct. ball. That, yeah. Just wanted to make sure. Because I, yeah, I had a great conversation with a, with a coach who's been in the league for years and years um, this season. And, in fact, talking about the Miami offense. And um, he had played against them numerous times. And he said, when you play teams that motion like that, it really causes problems for what you can do defensively. You can't do as much. So he, it shrinks your defensive menu. And then, because of the jet sweep element, the other factor that comes into play is one thing that defenses deal with all the time is, is strength, offensive strength. In other words, if it's a two-by-two two set, a three-by-one set, you, you, know, you play those things differently as a defense. And the Chiefs are having four strong right. to one mm -hmm. side a lot. Four lately, uh, yeah. By the way, that was another, that's going to be another thing that, that is <laughs> a trend in, the, in offense in the league. Four strong is very hard to defend in zone because you don't have enough bodies right. to defend right. four receivers to one side. But just getting back to my other quick point, because there are a couple of defensive things that stand out as well um, is when when you see a, a receiver motion and it looks like it's jet sweep you don't know if it's jet sweep or if it's then going to be a change of strength and that dictates how you play because is it going to be true change of strength in other words are they going from a two by two to a three by one or is it just jet sweep in which case they might snap the ball before he crosses the quarterback and then it's not a change of strength right so there's all kinds of things that motion does that impacts how you play defense and that can cause problems so you mentioned four strong we talked about that one of the things believe it or not that's kind of coming back in the league over the, the last number of years there's been an incremental decrease in the amount of 11, 11 personnel with three wide mm -hmm. and an increase in the use of multiple tight end personnel yep you know so that's another thing that you're seeing more and more in the league as an offshoot to that greg i also believe that even though people are undervaluing or devaluing single running backs Teams understand now maybe more as the tide continues to switch that you have to be able to run the ball when you want to. You do. And and a few years ago, it was just a pass-happy video yeah. game league. Yeah. It's changing. It is changing. And, you know, I, and again, I never quite understood that. I mean, 
I loved what the Lions did with Jameer Gibbs. Um, and, you know, the thing I loved when Brad Holmes spoke and said, well, he's a weapon. I love that. You know, th- the whole point, look, if you're reducing offense and defense to his simplest terms, and, and I'm, I'm definitely doing the simplest terms here, but it's true. What are you trying to get done on offense? You're trying to create explosive plays. What are you trying to do on defense? You're trying to prevent explosive plays. Yep. Now, like I said, that's the Spark Notes version, the Cliff Notes version, but that's basically what you're trying to do. So you want players that can create explosive plays. So you draft Jameer Gibbs. He's not a running back in the sense that, okay, now we're going to build our offense around Jameer Gibbs and we have to give him the ball 25 times a game as he a running Derek back. isn't Derrick Henry. No, right. but you know that. You know, and, and there's going to be more backs like that. I mean, I happen to do the Tennessee back, Jalen Wright, who's kind of like that. He's not, it's not an apples-to-apples apples analogy with Jameer Gibbs, but he's kind of like that. He's a weapon, mm-hmm. you know, because he's got explosiveness to him. So you're looking for explosive players that you can line up in multiple spots within your offense. And if it means handing the ball off to them, you know what? That's actually a play in football, a handoff, believe it or not. You know? I remember. Right, right. So, you're, Paul, you're 100% right. Um, you know, you have to be able at some point to run the ball. Look what the Chiefs did this year. You know, we know about Patrick Mahomes. We don't need to discuss him. But, you know, they kind of morphed into a team this year that was built much more on running the ball and playing great defense because Spags is as good as it gets. Um, you know, you guys are obviously familiar with, with Spags, and I've known him forever. Um, but, um, you know, that's what they kind of morphed into, even with Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, at some point you got to run the football. But, you know, so that's the multiple tight end personnel's become a big deal. Now, defensively, one of the things you're seeing more and more of, and it stems from the fact that more teams begin with a quarters structure on defense, mm-hmm. you're seeing more and more late coverage rotation. More and more teams are doing that. It's a way to try to force the quarterback to not be able to decipher your defense before the snap of the ball. You make him have to take the snap, then see what the defense looks like. Okay? For quarterbacks coming into the NFL from college, they're not used to that at all. Mm Mm-hmm. It happens to be one of the things that makes Brock Purdy so good, which you never saw on tape in the Big 12, is he is a master at being able to decipher late coverage rotation in a heartbeat. And C.J. Stroud the same way, right? C.J. Stroud yeah. very mm-hmm. much the same way. You, don't, you didn't see a lot of that in, you know, in college because there's not a lot of college teams. You know, there are some. Obviously, you see the Kirby Smarts of the world. There are some that do a lot of that. But that's not normal in college. So you don't know about that with a quarterback very much. The other thing you're seeing a ton of, on third down in particular is what we call loaded fronts where there's three defensive linemen to one side of the center. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of multiple stunt concepts. There weren't games off that, right? Yeah, Yeah. multiple stunt concepts off of that. So you're seeing a lot more of that. So those are just, you know, again, we don't want to take the whole time talking about it, but those are some of the things that I want to build off the, a Giants point, though, what you just said about deception in the secondary. That's what Shane, Shane Bowen, Bowen does. That. He did that, really with good that He's really and good at that. He's really good at that. And that is exactly the know, opposite of the mega pressure by Wink. I know, I know Shane, and um, I, I've talked to him about this, um, and I was really glad that he, he got hooked up because, you know, I, I know him, and, you know, you like mm-hmm. to see people, you know, you know, things work out. And he's a good coach. And he's a good coach, yeah. and he does – he does a really good there was a play if you want to go back and look and i can't believe this just popped into my head you know it's that's the kind of stuff the useless stuff that just pops <laughs> into my head if you want to go back and see a sack when they played the chargers this year okay i think they played them tennessee i'm talking they played right. the chargers this year week two or three maybe um it was the first third down of the game if i'm not mistaken 
and they sack Justin Herbert. And it's a great example of the kind of stuff that Shane Bowen does with changing the look uh, post-snap. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's just a great example. You know, so, so you can give me credit when you show it on your show. See, that's, you know? that, that's why I called you a maven. <laughs> right, right. There you that's go. why I called yeah, you a maven. Yeah. And it's funny. Uh, one more thing to think scheme stuff. And I think you talk, you know, mentioned the running game coming back a little mm-hmm. bit. I think a lot of that was dictated by the way defenses started to play, right? They went so far to try to defend the pass on every and down. And so smaller linebackers, Look guys, lighter, guys who quicker. can't stack and shed. You took yep. the words yeah. out of my mouth. Yeah. Dallas played dime Milo as, said their that once base, <laughs> as their base <laughs> defense this year. They had Marquise Bell as a 210-pound inside linebacker. He was essentially linebacker. a safety in college. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think once, and that's why I think outside zone yeah. is kind of filtering out a little bit too, right? Because those faster guys can cover outside zone. But when you start running gap, you put pulling guys, you run duo, it's a lot tougher to have those 210-pound guys in the yeah. box trying to, you know, stop those type of no power question. run plays. No question. And, you know, I think a lot of coaches are coming around, even though they want explosive plays. Everybody does. That, that's, that's like saying two and two is four. Everybody wants explosive plays. But I think a lot of offensive coaches feel very comfortable if it's second and three or second and four. I mean, yeah, the, they should be. the playbook's wide open. You can do whatever you want. You're, you're in control of the defense then. That's when you get your explosive play right. on so second and three. There's nothing wrong with a six-yard run on first right. down. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think coaches are beginning to realize that, that there's nothing wrong with that. Agreed. All right, I want to jump into the draft class. You said you've kind of looked, you've done a lot on wide receivers. I've watched a lot of wide receivers. The Giants could be in in the market for trying to find a number one wide receiver to complement what Mm, they have. They could be. Jalen Hyatt Speed, Wanda Robinson Shiftiness, but they're missing that true number one that I think a lot of attention. They're missing the boundary X that's so critical in the league this year. When you line up in three by one sets, you've got the single single receiver to that side of the field who's got to win one on one. And there are those guys guys in this draft class there are there's a there's a bunch of talk about them well you mentioned a dunze a dunze fits that because he's a contested catch guy yep yep he's big he's a contested catch guy he's not a great separator he's not a great separator you're right he's he's in some ways like drake london when he came out of usc a year ago Mm -hmm. you know um so I he think has some Jamar Chase in him too. I think Jamar Chase didn't get a ton of separation either when he was coming out. Oh yeah, at he least did. I didn't think so. Oh, he did. All right, we can disagree on that. Yeah, That's we can fine. disagree on that. <laughs> That's yeah. okay. I'd be right, but yeah, we can disagree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no, Jamar Chase was explosive. Adunze's not explosive. Right. He's explosive at the catch point. He is not as explosive as Chase. Right. You are right. I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you want again get to the Cliff Notes version of receiver play, what do you have to do? You got to be able to do three things. You got to be able to win off the line of scrimmage. You got to be able to win at at the top of your route stem, and you got to be able to win at the catch point. Right. Those are the three things you got to be able to do. You know, and obviously different receivers do them in varying degrees. Adunze can win off the line of scrimmage, and he can win at the catch point. He's not a great separator at the top of the route stem, Agreed. but it might not. He may still be a really good player without having to do that. You know, but. You have to have a boundary X in this league because even when teams play zone coverage on defense against three by one, they still will match up man to man to that boundary X. That's become another trend in the league, uh, by the way, on defense. So you need a boundary X who you feel comfortable throwing the ball to and can catch it versus man coverage. Now, given the wide receiver room that the Giants have, and Brian Dable and Joe Shane have talked about the various elements right. between Slayton and Robinson and Hyatt. But I think Odunze gives them that missing element that they 
don't have. I'm afraid that even though Neighbors is incredibly dynamic and has the explosiveness and the separation, I'm not so sure that he's the missing piece in that room. Well, Paul, again, we might have to disagree on that because I love Neighbors. I love Neighbors, too. I'm with Greg on this one. I mean, Marvin is Marvin, but I love Neighbors next. See, to me, Neighbors, to me, Marvin and Neighbors, and then there's a drop. That's to me. Okay. Okay. Now, again, that that. doesn't mean the other guys can't play in the, you know, sometimes I say things and people act like, well, you know, you you hate this guy. No, you know, I just, Marvin is Marvin. Neighbors, I loved. I, w- I watched Neighbors last year, last summer from his 2022, you know, when I came away going, wow, uh, this guy's really, really good. And then I watched him this year, and I love Neighbors. Um, I think Neighbors could line up anywhere in your offense. Well, that's what I want to ask you. Yeah. As much as you love him, is he the better fit for the Giants room? Which I maybe too Well, if questions. you're looking solely for a boundary X, you know, Adunze certainly, I'm not sure Adunze can do much more than be that guy, and he might be very good at it. Right. Neighbors can be anything. Okay. How close do you have Adunze to the A.D. Mitchells at the end of round one? Who I, think I really can, like A.D. So Mitchell. do I, because uh, you're talking about at 6'3", he can tell, separate. I got to tell you, I like Mitchell more than Adunze, and that's probably going to be a minority Ooh. opinion. I don't blame you. He yeah. separates but, better. But, you know, and again, then people tell me, well, that's a hot take. It's... I don't do hot takes. It's your honest opinion based this on film. Based right. on film, yeah. I think Mitchell can be in a top 10 receiver in this league. Now, I that doesn't mean he that. will be week one. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has something to learn. Receivers often have a lot to learn because they're going to see coverages and they're going to see rotations that are different from what they see in college. Um, but I really like Mitchell a lot. I think Mitchell Mitchell is a smoother athlete than Adunze. He's Agreed. a more explosive athlete than Agreed. Adunze. And he's just as big, basically. How far do you think he falls? No, I don't, that, he, lot, he isn't a draft predictor. Yeah, they're, they're a lot smarter people than I, Paul. We'll have to answer that. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. All right, give me your Cliff Notes version. We got a couple minutes here. Good. Cliff, Cliff Notes version of the, you know, maybe you don't have it in two tiers, but kind of that the top two groups of quarterbacks, and where do you oh. have your separation? <laughs> this is a really lengthy discussion uh, because this gets into a whole concept of what quarterback play is, and I'm being honest. No, go for it. Okay, because you have to decide now because of the way quarterbacks are coming into the NFL, the way they start now, because quarterbacks are now better athletes than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just the way they start from when they're 10 years old. They're just better athletes. Yep. Okay? So now you have to decide where you fall on the spectrum between guys who are capable of playing above the X's and O's and making off-script plays versus guys that can be consistent playing within the structure of an offense. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide where you fall on that. There's no question Caleb Williams is a really high level talent. No one would argue that. He controls the football really well as a thrower. He obviously has excellent movement. He can make those oh my god wow plays. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to decide can he play in structure at at the necessary high level? Can you teach him that? Because you don't see that a lot in college. Okay? He doesn't. Now, people are going to say bad O-line. You know, there's men... As you guys know, there's a million variables when it comes to quarterbacks when they get to the NFL. No doubt. We know that. So Williams is clearly a high-level talent. May is a high-level talent. He's got his own issues, too, by the way. May, you know, they all do. No one's, a, no one's a finished product coming into the NFL. I happen to really, really like Jaden Daniels. Um, I, I think Daniels is, 
you know, Daniels is a dynamic athlete who plays quarterback first. He goes through progressions. He makes window throws. Window throws are something I, I try to really get a feel for when I watch college quarterbacks. Sometimes you don't see it in a given offense because so many offenses run all these screens and all these easy throws that, you know, even you can make, John, some of these throws. So, um, you know, but I try to see, because in the NFL, you've got to make window throws versus zone mm-hmm. coverage. And those are true anticipation throws. Because if you wait till a guy gets into the window, that's too late in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So I really like Jaden Daniels See, a watching lot. Daniels, I want to follow up on that real quick because I watched every one of his dropbacks come into this I wanted to be ready for. It. Good and for I you. I'm, impre- I'm impressed, John. And, and I did not think he had as many of those type of over-the-middle, in-traffic, crowded throws over-the-middle as May did. I thought well, Daniels was much more deep perimeter stuff, slot fades, they threw, and he things did throw like a lot that. of slot fades to neighbors. Yeah, but he has enough of those window throws. Um, you know, May's issues to me, two stood out to me. And again, May I watched last summer and I watched this year. May's issues are, I think his accuracy is not exactly what you want it to I be. I agree with that. He's he, scattershot. He's a little scattershot. Mm-hmm. And he's got this bad tendency, which can be corrected. But again, when a guy's been doing it his whole life, it's easy to say you can coach it. And you can coach it, but you don't know if he's going to do it. He tends to drift off the midline. When you drop back, you have to drop back and stay straight on the midline because that's how your old line is protecting. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. He well, has yeah. a tendency to Footwork. drift to his left, and that creates his own pressure. Okay. That creates his own pressure. So, but May is going to be six, three and a half, six four, two twenty five. Oh, I know he's a big time athlete. He's a prototype. He, he looks the part, big time. Ten second answer, if you can do it. After those top three guys you talked about, anyone to you a first round worthy guy? Then you're going to get into systems and schemes and how a coach sees it within the context mm-hmm. of his offense. That's how you're going to get to it. Good answer. Yeah. Greg, this was hey. awesome. Good to see you, I want to talk again before the draft. Yeah. Greg Coastal NFL Films. We'll be back with more Big Blue Kickoff Live after this. We got some cilantro, some onions, some carrots. Giving back to the community means a lot. Just to keep giving hope that, you know, you just live in a situation and the situation doesn't define you. So, I got you. Thank y'all. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. This is so nice of y'all. Oh, thank you. Just little things like that just to keep encouraging guys. Hey, how are you? Hi. I'm Kayvon. Nice to meet you. For me, it's just a blessing to always be that impact for somebody else. I always say try to be somebody to somebody. So when I go, I want my feet and my hands to move just as fast, right? It's been great getting to learn a lot, getting to meet a lot of kids. It kind of reminds you of where you used to be and it reminds you of of the impact that people have in in your life. There you go. I think we had a tremendous impact on them, just being able to bring them a smile on the day and be able to, you know, really interact with them and get to know them. Give me one more. Hey. You know, really getting to step back and enjoy the moment. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle, the New York football giants. That's all for today's show. We have one more coming your way tomorrow at 1230. We're going to have Connor Rogers on. We're going to have Matt Miller from ESPN. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. And then a new guest, Ryan Fowler, will join us to talk all about these draft prospects and everything else that's happening here at the NFL Combine. Giant fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available 
available for the 2024 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And also, Giants TV is the Giants connected TV streaming app. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. And don't forget, folks, it's not just Big Blue Kickoff Live here from the Combine. We also have a bunch of Giant Huddle podcasts going up. Daniel Jeremiah was yesterday. We also have Lance Zierlein coming your way. I'm not sure if that's up yet. If not, it will be very shortly. Make sure you check that out. And we have a bunch of other uh, huddles coming up tomorrow. It'll be Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. Gives some great intel on what he's hearing around the league in terms of what's going to happen in the top 10 in the draft. For Paul Dottino, for all of our guests, for our entire crew, I'm John Schmel. We'll see you tomorrow at 12.30 for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Giants fans, get loud and welcome your New York football Giants. Take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. And it's intercepted. Deontay Banks. You will receive exclusive benefits like members-only events, game day experiences, and discounts on Giants merchandise at the team shop. Sacked by Tano, and the Giants have won! more about a New York Giants season ticket membership, visit Giants.com slash tickets. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.